Uh, my name's Steve Swatton. I'm the CEO of Copper Corp. Uh, Copper Corp is a company on the TSX, and we have uh, copper and uh, rare earth assets in Tasmania. And at the moment, we're totally focused on Tasmania. We have roughly 1,800 square kilometers in the, in the, on the island uh, in the northwest. Steve, uh, thank you for the introduction. Um, let's just kind of put this in context because you've got a small market capitalization, but you've got some kind of big aspirations and some big exploration targets. Um, the, am I right in thinking that the thesis of an explorer should be explore for the big project? Exactly. I mean, at the moment, uh, look, as you know, I mean, we don't need to go into it in detail, but the junior market is looking pretty dire. However, we have 5 million, roughly 5 million in the bank right now, and that's considered pretty significant in this day. But we also picked up this Razorback, which was uh, the subject of uh, last last but one news release. And it's uh, also comes with rare earth. So we have um, put together a, a budget for drilling this spring, because now it's in Australia, this is the spring. And we're going to go on ahead with a fairly aggressive program, but still we'll have enough money in the bank for another, at least a year to two years. So even with this, drilling program that we're putting together and we had a bit of a preamble before we came on here Merlin about uh, the whole market and we've got to be seen to be doing something but the um, corollary of the whole thing is is that what we're trying to do is also get the majors interested in and as you quite rightly pointed out the size of a property is very important when the majors want to go into districts and there's several examples I used to work for two of the majors Rio Tinto in my early years and BHP more lately and look, they're not interested in taking one asset sort of situations. They're looking for district size plays. So we've got the district size play with something that we're doing a, uh, we, we'll be looking to do a, res a preliminary resource on, which is the uh, Alpine asset that we have. And then now we're going to be drilling this new one that we've had our eye on for actually for prior to me even coming onto the board a couple of years ago, um, which has got rare earths. Now, when we applied for it, we didn't actually, uh, the rare earths were not such uh, an interesting situation as they are now, um, politically and everything. I don't need really to go into I'm sure that listeners and uh, viewers know about the conundrum we have with rare earths and it held in the hands of, of one major player, China. But, you know, we, we actually have a significant asset now which has both copper, rare earths, and possibly gold at the north. But we're just south of... Um, and, and past operating gold, uh, copper gold mine called Mount Lyre, which is 3 million tons of contained copper, million ounces of gold. And we got the land in the south of it. Okay, Michael, uh, a lot to unpack in, yeah. in, in that. Um, you said you were looking to um, target a preliminary resource at Alpine. Does that mean you, you're going yeah. to be doing um, any drilling on that? Or is that just, uh, not, not just, but is that more desk work and kind of configuring what the data you've got? Absolutely, really. I mean, Unfortunately for us, I'd say if you look at it, um, we're finding that the grades are getting better at depth. And so therefore, this could be, you know, a, something like a bulk underground type situation. So we require um, a more advanced level of, of investigation of it. And we obviously need more deeper drilling. As you know, deeper drilling is expensive. And when you've got a limited budget, maybe it's not wise for us to be doing it ourselves. So we're looking to maybe partner that project with, a mid-size or a larger company, but certainly Razorback, where we know the mineralization starts to surface, um, would get more bang for our buck at the moment, um, drilling that particular property rather than 
spending a huge amount of money on doing a resource calculation at uh, at uh, Alpine. Okay, so at Alpine, um, it sounds as if there's a kind of a you, you've got some data points. And it's probably enough to call it an advanced exploration target, a uh, conceptual right. target, but you need more drilling and you'll probably want that to be funded by a partner to take that to a uh, dual compliant or an NI43-101 compliant uh, inferred resource. Exactly. Yeah. We made a good start, but we, we, we don't want to, you know, in, in previous times we've been able to raise capital and do it. But right now, capital is key and we're trying to preserve the capital. Okay. And th- then there's also an implicit... Um, shift in what one of your comments you said uh you know you're gonna you're going to target the the rare earths which implicitly means that you're stepping back from from copper i'd I'd love to uh hear your thoughts on why i i know we can see it in the in the market but um your views on on copper investment in the next few days um so in in the next few months and years let's say through 2024 um, your take on copper as a kind of an exploration target. Okay, there's a couple of questions you asked there. What the interesting thing about ISUGs is they all have a little bit of errors in it, and this is th- this project that we're drilling called Darwin um, in the south of the Razorback uh, claim is actually an IOCG as well. It just happens to be the rare yeah. earth end of it. And if, if you if you imagine a, a rare earth um, situation. The, the, they've got epithermal at the top, and the closer it is to the intrusive at the bottom, you have a different suite of rubs. So at the top, we have one-to-one copper gold, and that's close to the Mount Lyle mine. So if you imagine the whole thing tilted on its side, and we've got the, the Darwin end of it, we've got the rare earths, which are closer to the intrusive. So the whole thing is the same system, and we have roughly 80 kilometers of this system. It just tends to be, geologically speaking, Razorback is deeper than the Mount Lyle, which is the epithermal at the top. So in terms of the copper going forward, I mean, I think, obviously, I don't need to tell you this, uh, the market is very robust, robust for copper for all the reasons, EVs and everything else, and the electrification, we don't need really to go into that. It's just a matter of when it's going to happen. But right now, there seems to be a lot of discussions around the uh, rarer situation in terms of where is it going to come from, who's going to produce it. Linus is the big one, Mark Wield in, in Australia. Uh, Malaysia is not not doing any exports anymore, and China are be- beginning not to export some of their rare earths either, or not do any production um, uh, from China to certain certain places in the world. So we got a situation where rare earths, is, rare earths are coming are quite um, politically hot potato, and we're really not sure what we have except for the fact that we have from previous drilling 30 meters at 2.1 percent total rare earth. Within that, we do have the ones that everybody seems to want, which is uh, praseodymium, neodymium, the, the heavy rare earths. So, look, it's early days, and that drilling was done a few years ago when rare earths weren't so topical. So, it, it's kind of almost like our sweetener on a. It, it is a copper gold situation we're dealing with, but that one t- tends to have the rare earths down at the south southern end of the property. So, we'll probably start drilling there first, Merlin, and then we'll the north closer to the old. Um, Mount Lyle copper, copper gold mine which still has 25 years mine life by the way according to New Century which was the last people to do a resource calculator so it's pretty big in fact that mine used to be the largest in the British Empire in its day it's huge it, it was massive I mean second largest is just up the road here in Vancouver in a place called Britannia but you know it, it's it's even by today's standards it would be considered a, a world class sort of size this is Mount Lyle and yeah we have all of the adjacent ground in the same type of rocks. So 
look, we have good possibilities, but here we're juggling budget with expectations of the shareholder, with what's going to also appeal to a major company to maybe come in and, you know, we can take a bit of a piggyback ride on on, on using some of their capital and not diluting the shareholders any further than we need to. One of the favourite things to do in a time when um, capital uh, is constrained is to do desk, desk studies. And you've got this new uh, um, licence area. I mean, have you uh, run through any of the kind of the new... Um, uh, hyperspectral imagery. Have you looked at any of the kind of the, the the top down stuff that can be done on a macro level? Have you done kind of structural and um, studies of the whole area? You know, what can you do, um, or have you done, or are you doing um, to enhance or vector in on the mineral hotspots without actually the kind of the boots on the ground kind of stuff? Yeah, in fact, we spent the last two or three months doing that. I mean, there, there was quite a process leading up to us getting this license simply because it was in the hands of the government. They were doing the sale of it. And it took a long time, but we heard quite early on that we were going to get it, but we didn't have the official paperwork. So the last news release was just saying, hey, we've got the... But in, in between that time, we have done a lot of desktops. Like the area at the north was drilled uh, in the... In the uh, late 70s and 80s uh, i believe uh the dukes dukes area and the area to the south was more recently and yes we we kind of collated everything we could but one thing we realized which was quite significant is that when they analyzed the core and with, uh, all of the core is stored in hobart and when we went down and looked at it they hadn't actually analyzed all of the rare earth intersections for all of the rare earth elements um because it's pretty expensive to do it so we, we, we basically gone and now quartered the core on everything. So there was a lot we could do leading up to this moment. And, and honestly, this area here, it is, it, it, it's easy to get to when the weather's great and the weather is now improving. But when the weather's pretty uh, stormy, it, it can be a little inclement up there. You can work year round. It's a bit like working in northern BC. But now's the time that you want to get in. But we needed to do this homework first before we got in there. There's a bunch of roads going through it old roads but at the moment there is a landslip on one part of it that needs to be moved but it's all doable but yes you're right we did a huge desktop study looking at structural looking at hyperspectral looking at all of the uh, drilling that's been done and what they have um, taken samples of and what they haven't and we filled in the gaps you mentioned the cost of doing the the kind of multi-element um, analysis and that's changed completely hasn't it i mean the the capacity of laboratories in recent years and the the ability to do um 36 element or more um, analysis for the same cost has has transformed geochemistry and and therefore um, drill core assaying. Oh, absolutely, and also it's a, it's amazing that you can quarter the core and and you're basically getting a free drill hole, aren't you? You know, like you're taking all of this stuff that's been done before and they didn't redo really it. But you're right, because of the cost, you can you can afford to do it. But I think the geologist told me that we have 600 samples in the assay lab right now. And there's a roughly three to four week turnaround and I understand that they were received last week. So we should have news flow going forward, you know, quite a bit of news flow, not only from the drilling that we're going to do, but from from past drilling that has been done. Mining the archive. Yeah, you go. I mean, there have been deposits found, uh, Great Bears, but a great example of that where they looked at old drill core and reinterpreted it. And that's exactly what we're doing right now. So, um... What is the work program? So uh, we, we've got a we're, we're pretty close to the the last quarter of the year. Um, what's the plan for the last quarter, fourth quarter, and then into uh, the first half of next year? 
Yeah, at the moment we're still going through the, um, and it's a short permitting process in Tasmania, permitting process to get in order to get the rig on site, and we're expecting to be drilling in Q4, and we're having a directors meeting in Tasmania uh, in two weeks' time, and we'll decide on the size of the budget and how we're going to do it. But we're definitely drilling. It's just how much we're going to drill will be okay. decided. Yeah, and and the nature of drilling in a in an exploration company is that it's always um, conditional on, on results, and so you, you, you yeah. can't tell what's going to happen in Q1 until you've 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 done this um, round. Yeah, and also because of the turnaround time, I mean, there are as I said to you in the preamble here, four operating mines close to us. We're always competing with these mines for the two assay labs that are on the island. There's one main assay lab that we all use. So it's a three to four week turnaround. And unfortunately, unlike maybe a copper gold deposit, rare earths don't exactly, ex you can't really see what's in them by looking at the core. You can see the alteration, but you don't know exactly what's in them. So look, it's going to be a bit of catch up. But, you know, as I said, we've already analyzed all of the core that was in the storage shed. So maybe we're going to have a little bit of a head start on that point. But we're always going to be playing a bit of catch up in Q1, Q2 because of the at least three to four five-week turnaround that we have from the drilling but you know if we have a large program obviously we're going to have the results from the first drilling by the time we're on to maybe the third hole but uh yeah and what is your kind of target manifestation of rare earths are, are we talking about mineralization in structures or is it a kind of some particular um volcanic um rock type i mean yeah. I, i'm 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 unfamiliar with rare earths in the, in IOCGs, yeah. so I mean, if you could give me a little bit of an education or kind of a steer on what 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 success would look like. Well, that's the answer to to yours is it's in both. So you have the you have the intrusive, and then obviously the the good stuff or the better mineralization goes along structures. And we can definitely I've got all the, the data in front of me here. It definitely seems to be a northwest trending structure, and within that area, there's about two to three kilometers by two kilometers that has rare earth rocks being analyzed at surface but it's never been drilled before so this is particularly exciting to us so we have one drill hole that has 30 meters at uh, two percent rare earth elements um and we have mineralization almost from the from the from the top of the hole in that in that particular hole that i'm thinking of but then to the north of that we have two to three kilometers that have never be actually been drilled at all with known mineralization from rock samples at surface so it's quite a large area but yes it's an intrusive inner structure that's kind of what we're looking at so it's a, uh, effectively a tabular in um target at its kind of at its most simple yeah that's right yeah and and they tend to follow major structural liniments that go throughout you know at the moment so an icg what's tending to happen here is it's more like a candelaria so candelaria is a 490 million ton um asset very well-known asset that the Lundin have in uh chile and that's a type of um, if you like an OCG type that we think we have in this part of the world. So the analysis really there is, is that you have a, what happens is you have subduction and then you have a pull apart base and you have a, um, a, um, an IOCG sitting underneath it. And what tends to happen is you have this layering, but it goes in amongst the structures. And what we think we have is candelar candelaria style mineralization going on for about 80 kilometers of strike. And we have all of it. The last one of the last real, um, news releases we put out was on Dora. We think we may have actually just nicked the edge of something there. But 
look, there's a whole bunch of these. And like most deposits, uh, Merlin, they, they tend to occur in clusters, one after the other after yeah. the other, but you don't know which one is going to have the main goods. And uh, But if, if, if I remember Candelaria correctly, there's a kind of an intrusion at the base, which is kind of a bulk tonnage. There's, there's a manto, and then there's these little flares on structure coming off the top. Um, yeah. And so it's it's the the planar structures off the top, which is kind of what you're describing. Well, we're clo da nearer down, uh, clo closer to the source, if you like, of the intrusive. And the higher up would be Mount Lyell. That's the epithermal. Okay. Uh, okay. You know, so we turn the whole thing on its so, side. So you've yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So the, the, the uh, right. So uh, in 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 essence, success would um, be hanging together a kind of a couple of fences or more over. Um, mineralization to to show continuity along strike and on dip. Correct. Yeah, that's right. Pretty yeah. pretty standard um, success metrics for exploration. Yeah, yeah IOCGs are notoriously difficult, as as you probably understand. I mean, they're probably one of the most complex um, types of mineralization to understand in the business that we're in. To be frank, and uh, they're because different. They've only been invented recently. I mean, I, when I was when I was at university, they didn't exist. Exactly, and uh, same with me. I mean, uh, we kind of knew these oddball things occurred, like uh, uh, you know, we, we had in Australia several of them, Carpentaria, you know, um, Olympic Dam, but nobody was really putting them into a category. But yeah, it's, it's a it's a recent phenomena of classification for sure. The copper and the gold aspect of this. You've spoken about the majors looking to get a decent land package and access to uh, a regional copper gold play England. is it are you finding it really hard to get the attention and the interest from um long-term institutional and uh high net worth investors in copper copper and gold is, is, is that a really hard sell at the moment well, i say the simple answer is yes i mean a, a year ago it's pretty easy to get their attention but these days there's a bit of fatigue out there and particularly with junior companies. Um, but having worked, as I mentioned, to, for two of the majors, I kind of know what they're looking for. And up until this point, Merlin, I didn't really have a story that I could take to them and say, hey, look at this, look at the size of the package, yeah. look what we found, look what we might find. But we're at that stage now. So yes, in terms of the high net worth and the, uh, the fund managers, it, it kind of goes in one ear out the other right now. And it's not a good time to be saying hey we're a little bit different here like all of the buzzwords that that uh, the majors look for or the things that they're looking for as well are you know 100 renewable energy in a, in a state that supports it and we all trot that out and the fund managers all hear this from everybody but the reali reality is is having worked on that side of it it really does matter location 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 with these guys because yeah i but i blew my brains out uh, working at BHP for several years at DRC and it kind of didn't go anywhere. Um, so we went back to Can we went back to Escondida in Chile and did more exploration and then we found Escondida Norte. So it is the location that, that is very extremely important in a safe jurisdiction. And obviously, um, you know, Australia is in their backyard. So obvious choices would be a bunch of the majors that we all heard of. But yes, they need the pack. They need the land size of the package and they need the right product and we have it uh gold would not be of interest to um bhp but certainly rare earths and certainly copper would be so if you look at the news flow going ahead um from from here and after the desk study and the assays that come back 
and the site visit to, uh, to Tasmania with your board and the decision on um, the, the drill program and everything that ensues from that. Is that kind of the, the news flow that um, we can kind of expect going forward? Yeah, and there is one other um, property that I haven't spoken of before. It's kind of off the main trend of the IOCGs that I'm talking about, so Alpine. It's to the east of the um, AMC, which Alpine is within, called Jasper, and it has up to 16% copper, and it has uh, up to 30% zinc in it. And it's at surface. It's an old mining camp that was mined in the 1930s, and we're really not sure what on earth this is at the moment. All we know is it's, it's kind of mineral rich, and we're spending a little bit of time. We've done a geophysical program. We've also taken a whole bunch of samples, and... We're going to have a discussion when we get down to Tasmania what we want to do with this because it doesn't seem to fit into the typical IOCT mm. category, but it's it's one of those other uh, things that was on our list of to look at. And it's come up with this um, incredible numbers. But when you look at the rock, you can't even see the copper in there, most of it. It just looks like um, chloritic, greenish, but not copper-rich rock. Mm. Coming up with all these interesting grades. So, that might be something else that will, there will be news flow on as well is is that and yes yeah, so it'll be the razorback drilling it'll be results from what we've already done it'd be a little bit of update on what we're doing in the field and also maybe this jasper um yeah there are numerous other uh, prospects that we have along this trend but obviously trying to preserve capital will be focusing on maybe these four different different things that I talked about. It's interesting. I mean, Jasper, it's it's lovely to have high grade. I normally think that high grade comes with small tonnages. Um, it's interesting that it's in a form of mineralization that is not visible to the naked eye. So probably the, the old timers um, well, yeah, didn't... Yeah. Um, yeah, didn't pick it up. They missed it. But it's also it, talking about the kind of the downturn, you know, where we are at the moment, where the cost of capital is so um, punitive. I... Th I I, mean, I, I feel that the high-grade stuff is kind of valuable. I mean, I think people would be are more comfortable now about relatively smaller projects, but which can pack a punch. Yeah, um, no, absolutely. And if you're talking about high-grade and something I've uh, omitted, which I should now tell you about, is in that area of rare earth mineralization that hasn't been drilled yet, we have up to 16% rare earth, 16, one sixth. So is it from rock samples? So it's kind of like, Okay, it was a bit of a, uh, a, you know, we're having a bit of a field day out there trying to work out, well, where do we want to start? You know, if you think about it, two kilometers by two kilometers, we have a large area to be looking at, and we have up to 16% rare earth elements, but there's only one or two drill holes into this thing. So, yeah, the high grade obviously gets everybody's attention. What it really means, we don't know, but it's a good start. Well, in this, these markets, we you need every... Um Every hook and every trick to catch the market's attention, and um, they do. Good, good luck in um, chasing the high grade and and the tons. Thanks very much, Merlin.